Welcome to Master Mindset. Reframe your thinking, master your mindset with Nate Schooler and Kim Adele. It's been an interesting week this week and uh, we've been delving into overwhelm. Well, I certainly have. I've been overwhelmed. I've seen my dad. He's been overwhelmed. Try to make people overwhelmed. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, Kim. I try not to make you overwhelmed, but, you know, these things happen. But <laughs> but when, when, when you look at this topic, right, this is a huge topic because so many people suffer from this. We suffer from task overwhelm. We suffer from personal life overwhelm, emotional overwhelm. What's your uh, thoughts around it, Kim? Well, I guess we live in such a fast-paced world, don't we? And things sometimes feel like they're coming at us from all sides. Um, and that can lead us to feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Like we don't know how to get, how to get back in control. You know, I often have those moments where it's like, just stop the bus, I want to get off just for five minutes while I work out what, what needs to be done. And then I can move forward. And I think we're human beings. We, we're all going to have those moments. But one of the things is we, we don't ever really talk about it or admit it. And that in itself leads to further overwhelm because we start to, to feel like we're the only ones that feel like this. We're the only ones that feel like we're sometimes failing at everything because we're trying to do too many things and not achieving any of them to the level we would like to. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, also, we can we can also actually have unhealthy coping mechanisms to that overwhelm. I mean, for example, t- until I really got to grips with the overwhelm that I was feeling and how to actually handle it, I would like perhaps uh, drink some beers or uh, go to sleep, like have it have a uh, not get out of bed in the morning. Right. Because the overwhelm is too stressful or, you know, even go to sleep in the afternoon, not because I was tired or needed a nap, but because the overwhelm was actually just so intense. Um, and I think being frightened of talking about these things uh, has changed certainly in the last couple of years. It's more acceptable now. And I think really, really important to actually talk to people about how we're feeling and, you know, work with a coach, even have a, a thrive hive. Like we've been, we've been encouraging people to have like four or five or six people perhaps that you can go to who, you know, some of them may give you a, an honest answer. Some may, may not give you an honest answer, but they will support you on your journey through life. Right. Yeah, and I guess for me, for personally, in my Thrive Hive, I want all of those people, and all of them are, people that will give me an honest answer. It's just some of them might deliver that um, in a tough love kind of way, and others sugar the pill. Um, and sometimes that's what I need, you know, as Mary Poppins says, um, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, and sometimes you need that. But sometimes I just need someone to tell me to get over myself because I've got myself in some massive trauma in my head um and once you actually start playing it out loud and they repeat it back to you and they're like really is this what you think it's like okay fair, fair point <laughs> put it like that that's a bit ridiculous maybe um maybe it's not as bad as i thought so having those people to to be able to be on your side and also the huge privilege of being in other people's thrive hives being able to be by their side when they need it is a massive privilege yeah Absolutely. I mean, I was talking to my dad and he's 88 years old. Right. So for him, uh, he gets overwhelmed by 
just life's general things that, that, you know, things that have to be done in life, right? Like he gets a stack of paper that he, he complains about. He builds this stack of paper up, you know, to six inches and complains. And I'm like, well, you know, dad, perhaps you should just decide, like, is it, is it that important to actually do anything with it? Why don't you just like, just shred it. Right. Um, and I was like, and, but then like me, or me like him, I get overwhelmed by lots and lots of different tasks that perhaps I haven't actually done. And, and I think managing to actually just take care of things as they come in quickly, if they're really fast to deal with, that can help certainly from, from my point of view to just deal with them. But then sometimes there are things that we've been putting off for ages and actually those things once they build up they create overwhelm so you kind of need to you need to prioritize right i think you need to find a path that works for you i mean sometimes when somebody's overwhelmed what they actually end up doing is creating work almost to prove that their overwhelm is justified <laughs> we're laughing because i mean let's face it you've clearly been um to that <laughs> this week i'm like why are you even doing that i don't understand why you've added those 32 steps into a process that needed two of them um it's almost that the the brain starts to try and justify its feelings of overwhelm so it creates additional things for you to go and i've not done this and i've not done that and i've not done the other and you're like you have to sometimes take a step back from that and go what would happen if i didn't do it how important is that and maybe that's um from the lean training where you look at processes and go where is their non-value add non-necessary steps that we can remove because that will give us more time back so i think sometimes asking ourselves you know why are we doing it what why what's the benefit of us doing it what's the cost of us not doing it because there are two sides to every coin and often what we don't do is look at both sides of them so we'll look at you know the cost of doing something but not the cost of not doing it or the benefit of doing it but not the benefit of not doing it you know i think giving ourselves that moment to take a step back and look at the full picture and then make conscious choice um, really can help us to deal with those moments of overwhelm because sometimes we, we end up also spending our time, our energy and our focus on the things that we can't control. Well, worrying never changed anything, but what it does do is change us. It changes our energy levels. It changes how we feel. It changes how we show up in the world. So sometimes looking at it, and you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is when things are going really, really badly, when my life feels like it's one massive stormy river, I try and find one thing that I can focus on that I can control. And I cling desperately to it, like the life raft in the stormy seas of my brain, whilst I get past whatever it is I can't control, because I can't change that. All I can do is wait to see cards I've been dealt and then play the hand the best I can wow well I think it's it's certainly your lean training's been really useful over the past um, past few weeks certainly this week it came to a head when I just realized I was doing all this stuff and you you said something really important a minute ago which you said to me a couple of days back which is is it important and is it going to add any value and what will happen if I don't do it and that was just that was just like a massive brainwave right it was like a it was just huge and so so actually I started doing that I'm in the process of creating a presentation for the the publisher that we work with and 
and and I looked and I was doing one more advanced than the last one. And a few months ago, I would have tried to like recreate the whole thing again. And but this time I was like, nope, I'm going to take that old presentation. I'm going to look at it and I'm going to take out everything that's not relevant and I'm going to adapt it for the more advanced training that they want me to deliver next week. And that really has helped massively with the overwhelm. Massive, massive, huge step forward. I think sometimes we, we create new things and it's, it's interesting. I've spent, uh, what, nearly 15 years doing transformational change, usually for organisations that are in dire straits. And one of the things you you find when you go in there is that they'll be doing loads and loads of things. They'll be really busy. Um, but you can look at it and go, why, why are you doing that? I went into one organisation that were producing over a thousand reports a day and it wasn't a big organisation. So you're like, why is there a thousand a day? What are they? Where do they go? Who asks about them? Um, and when and you know, this was taking people, it was getting a team of people really anxious because they were struggling to keep on top of these and worrying about the accuracy of them. And when we went, so we kind of took a pause and said, don't stop doing them, just stop sending them out. So just pause it for a moment, keep them going. So if anybody wants them, they can come back and get them. But don't send them and see how many are requested. And we identified that over 70% of them, nobody ever used anymore. And what happened is over the years, somebody new came in and would go, oh, well, I know all the information's in that report, but I'd really like the columns to be in a different order. I'd really like this to be set out in a different way. So it's probably a third of those reports that were duplicates of each other just because we'd restyled them, but nobody would ever switched anything off. And that's one of the things that we don't do for ourselves and we don't do it in organisations. We don't look at what we could stop doing to enable us to start doing something new. So we start the something new and we carry the something old with us um, into our future and then wonder why we're overwhelmed. We've just doubled our workload <laughs> when the idea was we were supposed to swap out version A for version B um, and see see where those move to. It's amazing how we just we can just add in things that just don't need to be done. And then we and then we and then we're just for the sake of being busy. Right. Like everyone thinks that being busy is like an amazing thing these days. Right. And I know you are really busy because you, you, you know, you look after your daughter and you're busy, but you manage your time effectively. Right. And like this is this is also something that I think if you get that piece of paper and you write down what you're actually doing during the day and you write down what you feel overwhelmed about, what happens, certainly what happened this week for me is I wrote down a load of things and that and that helped my brain to basically just get to work on this whole list of things that were overwhelming. And, and then I was like, actually, I don't need to do all of these things. I'm going to start over here and I'm going to do this one thing and then I'm going to get that done and then I'm going to move to the next. And it's, it's put the fun back into uh, my work, I think, actually managing to deal with this overwhelm, to be honest. I think, unfortunately, you know, for a lot of years, we measured everything from whatever age on our inputs, how often we were in the, biz- in the building, how busy we looked when we were there. I mean, I worked for some organisations where um, how many meetings you went to almost became your badge of honour. If you could go to hundreds of meetings, you were clearly really important and um, were going to be indispensable. And all of it is driven by our fear that we might end up being irrelevant, that we might end up not being good enough. And therefore, if we can justify our existence by being really busy, by going to all of the meetings, by turning up to, you know, 
in, in some places, you know, I had people that would turn up to the opening of an envelope and you're like, why? It's like, you must be, there must be other things that you want to be doing here that are more productive and can add more value. But but you do and you find yourself in that space yourself where it's like, well, I must go, I must go, I must go, because if not, people will think that um, I'm not busy. And then when I had my little girl, things had to change because all of a sudden I was like, well, actually, I've got a business to run. I've got clients um, to see and to service. I've got a little girl who needs me and I want to be her mum. Um, I've got a little dog. <laughs> you, know, life, you say life's busy, but actually life's probably less busy now than it was in the 30 years that I did corporate life because I took a step back and went, what's really important? Where are the bits where I add real value, where I can streamline somebody's process, where I can take out unnecessary non-value-add work to allow them to redirect those people onto areas they've not been able to address yet? How do we focus on what the outputs are, not the inputs? And actually, I deliver as much now um, as I used to deliver when I was doing more hours. What I do less of is the interruptions and the chatting to people, which is important. It's important that we stay connected. It's important that we have those conversations. But now those conversations are much more present because I'm not able to just be there as much. I make sure that when I am there, I'm really listening. I'm involved. I'm in the moment, not kind of half listening and thinking it's all right. I'll circle back later <laughs> and just check in on them and see how see how they're going. So I think for me, it's, it's about doing everything through conscious choice. It's about making sure that we really understand what, what we're doing. And there was a trick somebody somebody told me this uh, um, on a podcast, probably this time last year. And it really stood out for me, which is we fool ourselves into thinking that we can multitask. And it's not the way our brains work. So, you know, for anybody um, that is listening, try this when you've got when you've got just a few seconds. So you need to get a timer and you need to time yourself saying one to ten as fast as you possibly can and you write down your time and then you reset the timer and you start it again and you time yourself saying a to j as fast as you humanely can and again write the time down and then the third one i want you to say 1a 2b 3c 4d all the way through to 10 and j and time yourself and just see how much slower you are trying to do both than the combination of each on its own. And that's because we interrupt our brain and we think that we're multitasking, but actually we slow ourselves down, we lose focus. And when we lose focus, we aren't as efficient as we were before. So sometimes we create our own overwhelm by layering in trying to do too many things at once, thinking we can handle it. That doesn't mean to say we can never multitask. You know, I'm pretty adept at being able to um, make an omelette and have a phone call and often talk to my child simultaneously because she doesn't always understand the combination of phone calls. So there are some things where we can, but it depends on how much of our brain power that we're trying to use. It's very important what you what you just said there, actually. And the social media can actually create overwhelm. I mean, you know, I noticed it the other morning because I, I had COVID, right? Like, uh, about a year ago now, just just over a year actually, and I've been feeling tired for pretty much a whole year, um, needing to nap in the afternoons and this kind of thing. And and literally a couple of days back, I got my energy back, right? But then I spent time on social media, and 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 that created this like massive overwhelm for me 
because I was on it for such a long period of time, switching between channels and having conversations. And so I think we need to be very, very careful what we're doing, you know, what time we're allocating to it um, and what's important, right? Like making a note of what's important to us every day. Like what do we have to do during the day to make us happy and create a balance, not a balanced life, but uh, an enjoyable life where we get everything done, but we still have a bit of time for ourselves. Cause that's basically what's creating the overwhelm is we, we, we're kind of buried underneath this, all of these people, these tasks and our own idea of what we should be doing is creating this overwhelm, right? Well, yeah, cause sometimes self-care feels selfish. You know, I, I, from personal experience, I know this when I first ended up on my own with Scarlett, the minute I didn't have her, I used to go crazy doing whatever I could for her because I almost felt like if I was doing anything that was for me, that might mean that I was relishing the fact she wasn't with me and I wasn't, I was hating the fact she wasn't with me. So I'd even, I mean, I'd do some crazy things like Alfred supervise her um, books. I mean, she was one. <laughs> she can't read. Um, so she would never know if they were in or out of order. But, you know, in my head, I was I was still being a good mum and, and I'd given myself these ridiculous labels and these silly targets and I didn't just do it at home I did it in work and, and all kinds of things um but actually when I realized I was getting myself into into that overwhelm and it was a case of saying actually how do I take back control so one of the things I look at now is is at the end of every day for me personally this works um everybody will find their own their own way of doing it the last thing I do before I switch off from work for the night is write down what are the two or three things I have to get done tomorrow. The ones that are the most important, the real needle movers. doesn't mean to say I'll only do two or three, but it means they're the three I start with. And I set my day up where I can to make sure that in the first hour and a half, I have nothing else on so that I can crack through those tasks and get them done. And then if I can pull in any others, brilliant. And I can really um, feel proud of myself. But if I know I've got those three done, then I know that I'm chipping away at the mountain. And, you know, as they say, what's the best way to boil an ocean? A pan at a time. So rather than looking at the ocean again, how am I ever going to boil you? It's looking at it and saying, right, every pan gets me closer to my goal. So what are the three pans I can control tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I've, I've actually helped my dad to do those, uh, to do that very thing, the three, two to three things that, that he wants to do and needs to get done. And we've worked together to kind of get that, get that going, right. And the thing is, is that a lot of people also struggle with the way that they organize themselves and the way that perhaps they switched. I mean, my dad's are 88, right? So for him, using technology is difficult. Okay, some people it isn't. But for but that age, that generation, sometimes they find it difficult. And so he he actually uses a day planner, he used to have this day planner, which was like a, a pocketbook, and he would take his pen and he would make notes. But the thing is, is that the company because of COVID had problems. So he didn't get his planners. And this created a massive problem for him. But now he's ordered a year's worth of planners and he's starting to get his life back on track with his diary and really organize himself and that's helped him massively but I think not having space in your diary is also a problem because that creates overwhelm because then you don't have time to perhaps rearrange things you can't move things around 
So I try to make sure I always have some spare time, um, which is blocked out for myself. And I know you do a little bit of that as well, Kim, when you have time. Yeah, and you know, and a great friend of mine and an amazing uh, coach and someone who really always delivers value, um, Caroline Rice, she once said to me, and she tells all of her clients this, and I love it, is she makes sure her calendar is full of pink space, that there is enough pink space in every day to justify the work. And, and the pink space will be doing something for you. Now, that could be you want to go for a walk, you want to go for a run, you want to read a book, you want to go and cook something that you really want to go and cook. You want to just relax and do nothing. It doesn't matter what it is that you're going to do, but making sure that you jot it out throughout the day. And since we've been doing that, we've become so much more productive because sometimes you can sit here and you can go, no, I need to get this done. And I'm just going to sit here and doesn't come to us it doesn't flow to us we don't know what the answer is we get more and more frustrated more and more overwhelmed and yet sometimes just taking um pudding out for a 10 minute walk bless me he's only got little legs he can't go much further um allows me to just take a refresh and when I come back it's amazing how much more productive that I am so I fool myself sometimes into thinking I haven't got time to do it and yet whenever I do do it I think why didn't I do this more because actually I got more done on the days where I did do it than on the days that I didn't yeah taking these breaks is really important and and especially when you're working flat out right like I I wrote a a blog about uh, about productivity and it's all linked to productivity, right? And if you can if you can schedule your time really well and have these breaks in between your, uh, they they recommend like fifty two minutes really focused work and then a and then a kind of seventeen minute break. But when you actually look at the analysis, I was checking out some figures the other day that I found on the internet that the average office worker, right? So whether they're working from home or not. I think it was something like two two hours and 40 minutes was productive time during the day. So think about that. If if the average worker is productive for two hours and 40 minutes a day, right? Why do you need to work more than like five hours a day? Like it, you, you shouldn't need to do that. Like it, it, in my mind anyway, really. Yeah, but one of the challenges are we're not built to be 100% effective. Somebody is going to come over to us. The printer is going to take longer than we expected. Someone is going to phone us. So if you only actually turned up for the two hours and 20 minutes, you would only be 54% efficient of that time. So that's why in call centres they use a calculation called Erlang C, because it works out the fact that there'll be a period where you're not even in the building because you're on holiday or you're sick. There's a period where you're in the building, but you're being asked to be in meetings or one-to-ones or training and then there's a period where you're in the building you're doing your job but there are natural inefficiencies such as you're waiting for somebody else to give you something the printer's got a queue something else breaks down and therefore when we look at actually what we pay for versus what we get people are about 54 percent productive because of those other things that come in very interesting i always learn something kim when i speak with you it's uh it's always a pleasure And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We really appreciate you. Take care. Thanks for listening to Master Mindset. Please don't forget to follow wherever you listen and tell your friends and tell your friends.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.